You're listening to the Multiverse Fancast, proud member of the Misfit Faction Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Multiverse Fancast. If you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts, and basically anywhere you guys get your podcasts. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul, and with me today for this very special episode from Cinematic Adventures and, you know, from anywhere else you probably see him, Sean. Sean, how are you today? I was about to say, you said Multiverse Fancast, and I'm like, wait, what? Where am I? Where am I? Why am I here? But I don't don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know. I have no idea, but I am very excited for this. So, just a little backstory. Backstory. Sean, Sean and I have been talking about doing this episode for quite some time, and you know, since yesterday, Ronnie wasn't available, so I figured no. Ronnie, Ronnie also never really watched what yes. we were going to talk about. We are talking about a show that not only helped pave the way for a lot of superhero television. Even now, its ramifications and its thoughts are still being felt. And there's even talk about revivals at this point. And also inspired a little bit of our podcasting and got me into podcasts and helped kind of get me into that medium. And we are talking about the CW slash the WB's Smallville. WWWWB. Yep. So, man. All right. Smallville. So let's, oh. we're going to start with this full disclaimer. Smallville is a 10-year show. So we're just talking about season one today. Just the, oh my God, we'd be here forever. <laughs> so we are not going to go through the entire series. Oh, I know. <laughs> there are going to be things that we miss. There are going to be things that we forget. And uh, we're just going to kind of talk our highlights. It's going to be really hard to fit this all into a 45-minute so, to an hour episode. So I want to establish this by saying that this show started in 2001. Paul and I were freshmen in high school when mm-hmm. this show started. So this show went 10 years. I can honestly say that this is the only show I have watched. In its entirety. In its entirety from episode one to the final episode in real time. In terms of every week it aired. I even was off at college for one year. And me and Paul would contact each other going like, Hey, what do you think of this episode? What do you think of this episode? So like, this show is just one of those it's one of those moments and times in my life that I'll never forget. Right. And in all honesty, it's funny because the show starts off with Clark Kent as a freshman in high school. Yes. A 35-year-old man (laughs) as a freshman in high school. There is nothing funnier than when they cast like freshmen in high school. Riverdale's the worst. It's like... I thought Riverdale actually wasn't as bad, but Tom Welling just... He could have been a senior. Like I could, I could have believed that. I think he was twenty-one. Yeah, he wasn't that old. He, he was, he was old for supposedly being a fourteen-year-old. I mean, come on, like. Which is makes it even weirder that Lex buys him a truck. Pretty anyway. much. I think there's different rules in Kansas. Yeah, probably. But before we get too deep into this, deep. let's talk a little bit of news. Sean, oh, you brought well, some news. I did bring some news because you know, anytime I could talk about the the state of absolute crap that the DC universe is in, I just like to bring it up to bother Paul, but. I'm going to be <clears throat> fair here. You know, James Gunn and, and the other guy who I'm... I Peter call, Safran. Peter Safran. Listen, they're, 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 they just got the job not even, what, two months ago? Something like that, yeah. 
they got to decide a what their vision is, b you know what where they want to bring it, and so it came out a, a day or two ago that Wonder Woman three is pretty much not happening. At first, it sounded like you know this was just another thing with Warner Brothers. It was like, oh, what the hell? You know, what is Warner Brothers Discovery doing? But it turns out that Patty Jenkins pretty much walked off the film. She she's like not going to do it because she handed in her treatment for a script for Wonder Woman 3 and James Gunn and, and the other guy pretty much said that's not where we want to go with well, this. Apparently the very first thing is that Steve Trevor's alive again. That's a, that's a rumor. There's a lot of rumors coming out. You know, Gunn made a statement about it on Twitter yeah. and like posted like, you know, there's a lot of things that some are true, some aren't. Like just give us, give us, basically just saying, please give us time. Yeah, no, and, and, and you want to be fair. Listen, I have, I have knocked DC as much as humanly possible and they deserve it. But, you can't knock, you can't knock these two guys. You let them do something. Mm-hmm. They have a, they, they, there's a lot here that's got to get dealt with. And listen, I mean, I, I, I respect Patty Jenkins. She, she did, she made an amazing film with the first Wonder Woman. It was fantastic. It's yeah. a great movie. We all agree it's probably the best of the DC films to date. It's the best solo film, yeah, best yeah. solo film. Wonder Woman eighty four was just god awful. It was so bad. It was just it was just there was nothing about that movie that was even There's a handful of scenes that I really enjoyed, but I can't even remember. Like I just I I blacked that movie out of my yeah. head. So you know, it stinks that you can't continue the collaboration. Now I again maybe they'll go back to her and say, Listen, we really want you involved in this. This you brought this character to the screen. You know, can you work with us on maybe making this into where we want this franchise to go, meaning the whole DC shared universe. So, listen, it, it looks bad from the outside because Warner Brothers can't get their you-know-what together, but I can't knock them because it's like, I, I want to compare it to, you know, guys just buying a sports team and, like, they have to decide who they want to trade, who they want to save. It's it's very hard. And the fans are reacting in, in this time – I'd say in a year or two you can react and say, "Okay, that was a bad idea," or maybe that. But was they a great are. Idea. It's weird because they they are keeping Blue Beetle, right? So Blue Beetle got its official announcement. It's been has it been filmed? Oh, it's done. It's done. But like Batgirl was too. Well, Batgirl was not fully filmed. I think they still had to. I don't know. No, it was. They announced it like three months before it was supposed to come out. Mm. But then they also apparently there was rumors that they were going to do a Batman Beyond film with Keaton. And <laughs> and Catwoman, yeah, yeah, like oh god. See again, it's there's too much. They need to you need pick to, their lane at this and, point. And I'm sorry, and maybe I'll be yelled at for this. You got to stop the alternate universe thing. Like, if you're gonna go with the Matt Reeves Batman, then you can't have a Ben Affleck Batman. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. It, it's a lot. It is it's very too much. much. It's too confusing. And oh, I I also go. misspoke about the Flash being the only <laughs> show left on the CW. Superman and Lois. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot all about it. I have not watched that. Sorry. T- watch Tyler Hecklin's hanging behind you, so I had to make sure I mention it. He's hanging? Yeah. So, yeah. We'll I'll let you all think about what that yep. bet. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, I don't know. DC's such, it's such a hot mess right now. <clears throat> I want, I hope that, I think after the new year when the new quarter starts, mm-hmm. because also Black Adam did not blow the box office away yeah, as much as they thought it was going to. It made its money back. It's and money back. It made a small profit, but not in the way that they were hoping. No. And... You have to wonder. They have two choices at this point. It's either complete clean slate, mm-hmm. and they can even start with this Matt Reeves Batman universe and make that the new DCU. Yeah. You still have Shazam coming out, and you still have Aquaman coming out. It was announced that the Flash, then Henry Cavill. I mean, you already had Henry Cavill back in in, in Black Adam. Adam. I, it's. I just feel like they're in such a 
either way they could it's just it's a mess uh, they really can it mess. can be fixed it definitely it can, can. Be. and if you want to think it can be fixed you think James Gunn would be good enough to fix it but it, James Gunn has a certain type of vision mm-hmm. it may be hard for him to find filmmakers that share that vision with him did so, you did you watch peacemaker no You've asked me that numerous times. I, I keep, just, for, I keep. No, I know. I just, I'm, I just, I'm not I'm very just busy. Not people, really interested yeah. in it. I really am not. I think if they decide to go that route with that kind of style, I think it might work for for certain characters. Like that's the other problem. See, the person I personally didn't care for the new Suicide Squad. Uh, Suicide Squad, that's right. Squad at all. So like, I'm, I wasn't too thrilled when they announced that James Gunn was taking was was going to be in charge of it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, so you went from a Zack Schneider universe to a James Gunn universe, eh? Yeah, doesn't do much for me. It's it's a big trend. It's funny too because now, like after the Snyder Cut came out, and you find out more about what he wanted. It's yeah. weird to think that DC did have a plan at one point, yeah. like that started in Man of Steel mm-hmm. and progressed, <laughs> you know, through these movies. Like I think we said in another episode where the DC movies always felt like that whatever movie, especially in the very beginning. The previous movie always affected heavily the next movie. Yeah. Like Man of Steel led to like had a natural lead up to Batman vs Superman. Like everything that happens in Batman vs Superman is because of Man of Steel. Oh, yeah. Everything that happens in Suicide Squad, the the first one, is because of Batman vs Superman. Mm-hmm. And then you know obviously Wonder Woman's kind of in its own timeline. Then Justice League happens, and it's a direct result because of Superman's death in Batman vs Superman. Yeah. And it, that's even more prevalent in the Snyder <laughs> Cut. So it. It makes me sad. I wish we had actually seen the full fruition of that of that universe. Again, I, I like Zack Snyder, and I, I understand why people don't enjoy the movies. Mm. That's, I, I get it. But I would have liked to see kind of where they were going to go and where where the franchise would be now. I know. It's wild I'll, to I'll think. always say it, and I stand by it. They, they sealed their coffin when they just felt that Superman wasn't big enough to make his own sequel before they decided to get into the whole, you know, pairing all the, the characters together. Right. I was like, it was too fast. Yeah, it was too they, fast. They should have done a Batman, an individual Batman movie first. They should have done a sequel to Man of Steel, then do your, either you do your Wonder Woman next, or you do your, 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 your Ben Affleck Batman movie, which they were going to do, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Ben Affleck's, you know, life came into the fold, and, you know, all went to hell there. So, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, but listen, I, I can't be upset with James Gunn, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta let the man work here. So we'll see where they go from here. With painted It just doesn't look good. So let's talk about a franchise uh, that had some ups and downs. Yes. But for the most part, was pretty up, at least for us. You know, maybe it might be the rose-colored glasses and nostalgia. It came out at the perfect time for us. Oh, we my were, God, yeah. I mean, if if the same show, exact same show, came out the year Arrow was came out. Not saying Arrow came out at the same time, just saying the year Arrow came out. I don't know if the show would have lasted two years. No. Because it just it just it fit the time when it came out. This was a time where superhero franchises were very they they were It was before Spider Man. This was before Spider Man the movie. This was this was post Batman and Robin, but pre Sam Raimi Spider Man. So we had not had a superhero film in four years, we had not had any type of, you know, our, the, the closest TV show was Lois and Clark, mm-hmm. which came, went off the air like four years earlier. Never so, get that cliffhanger resolved. I liked Lois and Clark. I did. It was it all right. Was, it was all right. It was, it, it was what it was. This show was the X-Men of superhero TV shows. I forgot about X-Men. Sorry. My so bad. the X-Men franchise, and the reason I make this analogy, played it very safe in comparison to the, to how comic book movies are done now, especially when it came time for, for flashy costumes and, you know, things of that nature, right? Smallville had a very simple premise. Originally it was supposed to be a young Bruce Wayne. That was the idea. They were going to do a young Bruce Wayne series. 
and they decided to switch to, to Clark Kent, and the whole their their mantra was no tights, no flights. This yeah. is the complete story of Clark Kent becoming Superman. Superman. It only and, took eight seasons for us to get there. Well, so Ivan, and I, I literally I'm flashing back. Oh, I know. I'm watching this us, happen to us sitting in whatever class we're sitting in, and we're just being like, "What do you think the final episode of Small is going to be?" And I'm like, "It's going to be him walking into the Daily Planet with the glasses." Like, that makes the most sense. Now, did we all think that it would be season 10 when the show would end? No. We probably thought maybe five years. Mm -hmm. Because we were like, how long can they stretch this out for? Ten years, apparently. Apparently ten years. But I actually, see, to me, and and you you may disagree with me, I think the first two seasons of Smallville are good. They're very Creature of the Week, which was a big thing back then, still is. Seasons three, four, and five, to me, are very forgettable. I think season five is where it actually starts to pick up for me. It picks up, but it's still not great. Season six is when the show, they should have renamed it Metropolis. and mm. in all. So you remember Roswell? Yeah, yeah. Roswell had the same issue where after like th- two, three seasons, they weren't in Roswell anymore. Yeah. The fair. show really became... But I feel like the name just worked. You I know. Couldn't, you couldn't do that. I, I get what you're you saying. Get what I know you get what you I'm changed saying. The, you changed what the focus of the show is, but I agree. I think season six... To season 10. Yes, there were a few hiccups in between, but I think those were the solid. Like every year, was we, we really didn't have much complaints. Mm-hmm. I think season seven was my least favorite of those seasons because that was the writer's strike year. That was a rough year. That was rough. Yeah. That was rough for every TV show that year. But So, so let's, let's start with the characters, right? Yes, sir. We have Tom Welling, who plays Clark Kent. Now, if you guys listened to one of our previous episodes, producer Melanie and I actually got to meet him. I'm so jealous. I know you were. Sean Sean did get an autograph. Don't think I I went to Comic-Con. You did. And I appreciate it. Best story ever is, as much as I loved meeting Matt Reeves, you know, who played John Constantine, because he was just funny and like, you know, he he actually like really chatted for a little bit and like made faces and all this. So we get up to Tom Welling. And first of all, he got huge, like in a good way. Like he's he's very like burly, like very like you could see him on the farm. He looks like the brawny paper towels guy. And so we get up there and basically when you go to Comic-Con, there's usually a handler, somebody that runs the money, who organizes and also makes sure that you're not getting like too yeah. much time, whatever. So the handler got called away for something. So we're literally standing with Tom Welling. For like a good three, four minutes before we even do pictures, which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but when you're standing next to Tom Welling, it's an awesome amount of time. And we found out that Tom Welling was actually born in Putnam Valley, which is not very far from us. Yeah, that's right. So, and I am very familiar with it. So Putnam Valley, just for you guys who don't know, who don't live in New York, is commonly referred to as Putt Valley. That's just, if you're around the area or you know the area, that's what you call it. So I, I convinced Melanie to ask him, we heard you grew up in Putt Valley. And so she says that to him. And he goes, Oh, you mean Putnam Valley? And we're like, Oh, you weren't, you didn't, you didn't live there then. He's like, No, no, no. And he, he, for like a couple of minutes, first, before we even asked, he's like, You know, the handler walks away. He's like, Oh, this happens all the time. Like, you know, we can just hang out. Like, you know, and he's like trying to, he makes a little bit of small talk. It was really cool though. And yeah. he just seemed like such a, a down to earth kind of guy. But he plays Clark Kent. And which season do you think his best Clark Kent is? I want to say when he first starts trying to create the the, the Clark Kent persona, that the glasses and mm. trying to be a little, they they go very Christopher Reeve heavy in this show. Well, even by if you look at Tom Welling in the season, you know when you first see him for the first time, it's like it's like oh my god! I mean, it's like Tom, it's Christopher Reeve's like son. Mm-hmm. It looks like I mean they they knew what they were doing, right? They they definitely 
this was based off of the of the Richard Donner Superman movies. They wanted it to feel that way. But for me, yeah, I'd say probably like yeah, you know, season six, season seven is when you know he really kind of became the Clark Kent, you know, ish type of. Him. What about you? I think around like season eight ish. Yeah. When that's when he started working at the Daily Planet, really with Lois with and Lois. all that. Stuff. So that's when it became like. Oh, okay, guys, we're just tiptoeing around this now. Like, can we they, can we get there already? They try and find ways to explain. I remember there was an episode where, like, he gets caught as the blur, like on Big Ben or something silly like that. Yeah. And Chloe like freaks out. People are gonna know who you are. Yeah. But they they do a better building the Clark Kent over over time because again, so many people know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um. So like, when Superman appears, people are gonna be like, "That's that's Clark." He saved me from, like, a fire and didn't die. Like, it's just wild to think. But I think Tom Welling does a great job. It's weird because he was very adamant about certain aspects, and then he stayed away from it for a long time after the show ended. First, you never see him in the costume. No. That is apparently – that was a Tom Welling thing, and that was also the the staff thing, Mm -hmm. right? So Tom Welling did not want to be in the actual full costume because he did not want that that image, right, like burned into people's minds because typecasting was still a thing back yeah. then. And if you believe it, there's the Superman curse. The Superman curse, and, and um, but it's just it was it's been there because you know when you have George Reeves and Christopher Reeves and the tragedies that they you know suffered, nothing else has happened. Thankfully, you know everyone else I think who's played the character is in good health, mm-hmm. but just. That was a big thing. That right. was a big thing. You know, it was always a taboo thing. With was that? So. so, but we do get him. the The last scene of the shot of the show is fantastic. In fact, if in our studio, I have that shot that he signs of him opening the shirt, and you know, it's one of the greatest endings to a show ever. Ironically, though, the the whole not seeing him in the full costume was met with a lot of fan divide. I didn't mind it. I think it worked in all honesty. Would I have liked to see it? Yeah, but like I still think it's awesome. The CGI has not no, it's not, not aged well no, at, all. at all. But you know, it is what it is. Thank but you, CW. you know, it's it was always fun seeing him develop new powers or learn new limitations and stuff like that. You know, they did a great job. You can tell the show started to lose budget though. Oh yeah, absolutely. They started to do things like so basically Clark had the show was ever that big of a budget. But you'll notice that they, they stopped showing him actually super speed and he would just <clears throat> you just hear the sound and mm. papers would move and he'd just be there. So they had like just an air gun in the background, or instead of actually showing the X-ray of the X-ray vision, you would just, just hear it. it. You would just hear, hear it, it, and then see his reaction. And they would use they use that sound effect in Supergirl for X-ray vision. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they recycled that one. But it was always fun. And then you know, obviously, when he starts becoming a hero, <clears> first he was the red blue blur, just because he always wore primary I colors. Hate that name. Yeah. Then they call him the blur, and he's wearing like the the Matrix style trench coat oh, and all trench that. Coat, yep. I still yeah. love the scene of him catching the train in that season mm-hmm. and also him catching the Daily Planet Globe yes still iconic yes and then he gets the the red jacket yeah which I you don't see him wear a lot like the he has like a red Superman logo jacket it was cool though like it, it did the job mm-hmm. and uh, we'll t- when we talk about the other members of the Justice League because that's <laughs> kind of what they had to going down the list Kristen Crook as Lana Lang a character that that you didn't really like by the end of the show as much it just kind of got tiring after a while you know, I think there were more. I think when they introduced Lois Lane in season four, to me that was kind of like a, a. It just meant that the Lana Lane character was like, "What's the point of her?" I didn't even because we all know Lois Lane is the one he ends up with. I'd even so argue like, it was the end of Chloe Sullivan too when they introduced Lois. See, no, I, I disagree with that because yeah. I actually liked where Chloe became Watchtower in a way. She became you know kind of like his handler in a way, like. 
And then obviously they did. They, they I don't know if they forced it. Maybe it was forced the relationship she had with uh, Oliver. With Oliver, but I liked that. Obviously, you know, as but, a person, I don't care for her. But yeah, well, we're not even going to talk, talk about that. But Lana Lang gets introduced, and <laughs> she's she, the girl next door. She's the you know the, every kid's dream. You know the, the popular girl that you know, you know uh, the Nicodemus episode. So, fun fact, right? When this show came out, this is when I really started listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, every week, the podcast that I was listening to was called Starkville's House of L, or Shoe, as it was called. In fact, I was even featured on their last episode. Oh, really? Yeah. But um, they also got on one of the DVD. One of the DVD sets has a, like a, a feature mm-hmm. inclu- of them, of the guys who did this podcast. Were, oh, really? Yeah. So, every week, they would do an episode based off the episode of the, po- of the show. Yeah. So I got really good at memorizing titles of the show. So I'm going to do my best. I, I'm a little rusty, but yes, Nicodemus is one of our favorite episodes. It's the episode where there was a lot of kryptonite causing issues. Mm-hmm. So there's a flower called the Nicodemus flower that releases like pheromones, pheromo- not pheromones, like uh, almost like like a pollen that makes you lose your inhibitions. Mm-hmm. So like Jonathan Kent kind of turns into an asshole. He goes to kill Lex. With That's a shotgun. Right. I remember that. Lana turns into a whore. I think Pete tries to kill Lex too, and it's one of the funniest where you give him like the little love tap on the head. He's like, Don't worry, Pete, we'll get you some help. Pop. Because <laughs> everybody got concussions, everybody got knocked unconscious, and everybody lost their memories in this show. The brain damage in this show to our main characters is probably staggering. Because you can't get knocked out this many times, Lex Luthor. But in all honesty, Lana Lang, when she came, and then she comes she disappeared for a while because after season four or five, maybe, maybe even late. no season six, I think. Well, season six is the is the season she was engaged to Lex. Yes, which was such a the whole Lex, whole Lana. Lex Lana thing with her getting pregnant and then not pregnant and then and that was a weird season six was good except for that storyline. So she left after season seven, seven and her then and she Lex re- left after the same season. So she returned for five episodes in season eight, and she then didn't come back season nine or ten. No, really, no, she oh, never no. came back, and she came back for Chloe's wedding. Yeah, that, the Doomsday Arc. Yeah. And she gets a super suit built into her skin God. that then gets infused with kryptonite so she can't ever go near Clark Kent That's again. That's right. God, the CW writing. I oh, loved it. Oh, my God. That was horrible. Oh, it was rough. I remember, I think I called you after that going, like, what the F was that? I did like the episode where she gets his powers and they both have the powers. There's and, like an earthquake. <laughs> yep, <laughs> You're like, what yep. was that? I think Chloe was talking about it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Michael Rosenbaum. As Steals Lu- the show. Yes. He is our Lex Luthor. He like, is Lex. I, I mean, he is just the epitome of Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So, he, so and good. Tom, he and Tom Welling do a show called, uh, I forget, Talkville. They, I think where it's they so go, great that they're, they're, they're I don't know if they're, they're best buddies, but they're very like, you It's know, nice they're to know that they're good other. friends. They're like, good friends. Like Jared and Jensen. Yeah. Yeah. But they do a show together where they go through the episodes and they kind of like make fun of it a little bit and they talk about like some just, of the really cool things yeah. about it. But the Lex and Clark relationship was always the... And that's why the show really shifted after he left because even though we know where Clark and Lex are going to go, we know how this story is going to end, mm-hmm. we still rooted for it and we rooted for Lex and that was a big part to Michael Rosenbaum mm-hmm. and he was just fantastic. But when he kills Lionel, when he finally does it, that's when Lex was gone. Yeah. And just when they bring him back for the last season, for that last episode, he and Clark have one scene together. Like, I still get chills thinking about it. It's really good. Just when he says, hello, Clark. Oh. And then mm. and then he's, Clark says, Lex. And Lex goes, you still say it the same way. A little bit of dread, but also 
like a hopeful cheer or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. See, the best thing about, so I remember when I first, you know, TV guide and you remember the TV guide every like August, they would have an edition where they would announce, you know, the new schedules for TV shows mm-hmm. and they would have, you know, the new shows for each, you know, day. And I just remember it. It's a small little blurb, you know, on, I think, what was the first night? It was on Thursday, Tuesday night. I think Tuesday night was, so Smallville is another show. The fact that that show lasted 10 years and I think it was in four different time slots. Yeah, oh yeah. It's it, went, it went every sh- every night of the week, basically. Like it felt like every night of the week it was on. So I think Tuesday nights was the original first year it was on. And I just remember it saying, find out how Clark Kent becomes Superman. And he is friends with Lex Luthor. And I'm just like, wait, what? Oh, I got to watch this. There are comic stories where that's like an actual no, thing. No, I, I, I've, I've, you know, I'm just talking about me at that at age time, going yeah. like, I had no idea because I didn't read the comics, so mm-hmm. I didn't know. But now I look back and go like, okay, I, they got this from another storyline, which I get. But I mean, I remember, and you and me were just friends. I mean, literally. We, we, we met in eighth grade. We friends in eighth grade. That following year is when Smallville came out. So like, <laughs> it's almost as long as this show, since this show started, we've been friends. I right. Mean, that's, I mean. It's wild. It's crazy. It really is. And uh, yeah, still still such a great show. I mean, Michael Rosenbaum is, he just, he, you wanted to, you wanted to like hang out with him. Oh yeah. He was just that cool older brother for those first two years. I mean, like it really like, you, he, he, they tried to not make him do anything truly bad. He was always morally ambiguous. Morally ambiguous, but and obviously, he, uh, he always felt because Jonathan Kent always was just like you know, he's a Luther. He's a Luther, you know. It's something he's going to do something. But he, even if he did something, you always be like, ah, eh, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't Lionel. That bad, yeah. It wasn't Lionel. Lionel's the true evil man here, you know. Like, ugh. but it's funny because like you you watch the show, and the whole thing is, had Clark told Lex who like about him in the first season, that sh- it would have been totally different. Would it though? I think so. I think the whole show would have been different. But anyway, because we're we're already 30 minutes in. We haven't even finished the the cast yet. Sorry. This might be a two-parter. I don't know. Eric Johnson is Whitney Fordman in season one. Was Whitney a true... Was was he an original character for the show? Original character, yeah. He he was never really a thing. But, uh, you know, I like Eric Johnson. He also played one of the demons in Supernatural. I think he also did a Flash Gordon TV show that lasted like a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. But... You know, basically, he was the antagonist. He was the, the yeah, boyfriend bully. He was, you know, the, the very the, '80s, very '90s. Yeah. But he does reconcile with Clark before he joins the Marines. Yeah. Co- comes back, quote unquote. But they. That they, was a great episode. That was a great episode. Yeah. He he was just the bully. He he just kind of kept the story going with the Clark Lana mm-hmm. type thing. Sam Jones the third is Pete Ross, and is he still in jail? No, I think he's out. Okay. But a lot of the. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, it just hit me, and I'm like, I see Sam Jones, and I see Allison Mack. I'm like, oh, okay. So you got Pete Ross, who in season two finds out about Clark's secret. Mm-hmm. And and he's gone after season three. Yeah. I, I enjoyed him in season two. I thought that brought a new dynamic yeah. to their to their friendship. I'm and surprised also, he never came back. They never, like... They did one episode. What, he got one? He came back, and he got elastic powers. And the I'm episode was, remember the stuff, episode was, was sponsored by a Stride Gum. Like, that's how he got the powers. It was like kryptonite laced chewing gum. And it was so bad. Like, it was rough. Elastic powers are bad to begin with. And then you do it on a Smallville budget. But that was season seven. He made a guest appearance. But from the comics, too. He marries Lana Lang in the comics. Yes. But he's in love with Chloe. And there's a great episode where Chloe gets the ability to make people tell the truth. Mm. And that's when he proclaims his love for her. But he never does anything. 
because Chloe's in love with Clark. Yeah, so let's talk. Allison Mack is Chloe Sullivan. So Chloe is one of those characters. She was the lowest surrogate for a long time. Pretty much. To the point where there were theories that she was the real Lois Lane or that she would take on the a persona of Lois Lane. Did they do that? They did that, didn't they? Yeah. Hmm. But so it's funny because she's Lois Lane in the first like season or two and then we find out that she's Lois's cousin. Yeah. And it's a great scene when we find we find out before Erica Durant. We find out because she wants to write an article, but she wants to use a pen name. And she said, use my cousin's name. She won't mind. Lois Lane. So she she's a completely original character. Mm-hmm. They, they made her go... Once Lois was introduced, they shifted her out of that role because obviously now you had Lois Lane. But they still had her as a reporter. She still worked for the Daily Planet for the next two years mm-hmm. something along those lines but then she becomes basically watchtower and yeah. she's the, she actually uses the, the word metahuman for the first time that's right yeah and like season eight or nine when they introduced the satanas in that episode i think too mm-hmm. but uh, i liked i loved like when i say i loved chloe you had a such a thing for chloe i loved chloe you had such a thing for chloe I did. unlike clark who I, know. I think like he didn't they try for like oh like 30 minutes at the end of this first season they kissed at the prom, and then he leaves her there. That's right, because he leaves her because he finds out the tornado's coming. Yep. You know? Apparently, they had originally done a scene, and I think I got this from Talkville, so I'm not going to say that I thought of this, but there was originally going to be a scene at the end where it was Lana in one truck and Whitney in the bus leaving, or something like that, mm-hmm. and Clark has to choose which one of them to save. Mm-hmm. So obviously, he saves Lana, but he still has to live with the guilt afterwards. Would have been interesting for. I think Tom Welling actually said that that was like something they they had played around with. Interesting. That yep. would have been that would have been dark for for that Oof. first season. That would have yeah. been. Annette O'Toole is Martha Kent. Now Martha Kent is, she's I think season five is her last season. Oh, season six she leaves the show. Season six. Yeah, she was there for a long time because Jonathan was after season five. Season five, I think it was. She the, only lasted one more season after. Okay. So yeah, it's really weird because I didn't know that if you die as a senator. Mm-hmm. Your wife takes over the role? What? Yeah. Apparently that's that... happened numerous times. Oh, yeah? I believe so. Oh, yeah. There have also been senators who are dead, and they still win elections. I love it. America. But, yeah, so I think after Jonathan Kent, though, after he kind of leaves the farm for the most part, they really weren't... Like, she was a voice of reason. She was always a very compassionate person. Mm-hmm. They do the season... The, we find out that she can't have children. And yes. that's why they. Ha- that's why when they adopt Clark, it's like a whole big thing. But uh, she has a miscarriage in the show. Season at the end of season two, two. when Clark's Clark's, he destroys the ship because uh, the ship is telling him he's gonna take over the world, and she gets she gets hurt. That was a dark. And then we get the red kryptonite. Yeah, we're gonna talk about kryptonite. Don't worry, don't worry. We again, we may actually have to make this into a two parter. I don't know, but we have Jonathan Schneider as Jonathan Kent, and this is the first time we ever saw the Kents as with a big role. Not just a big role, but like also fairly young. I mean, for a middle-aged couple, they were still in their late 30s, early 40s. They were supposed to be in that. I mean, again, you assume that they're supposed to be in their, like, early 30s when they find Clark. And then, you know, they're in their, like, early 50s now when he's in high school. But they look young. We've always ever seen the Kents as an older couple. Like, in the original Superman, they were, you know, relatively old. Lois and Clark, they were relatively an older couple. So it was the first time we got a little youth with the uh, with think, the Kents. I think that also helped them because they were able to do things, you know, story-wise. Yeah. Like, Jonathan Kent could throw a punch. Oh, yeah. You know, Annette O'Toole, again, from Talkville, they were talking about her running away from the uh, the fake bees in that one episode. 
and like how just committed she was to it and how great she did and she's like running through this field where there's like holes and stuff and she's wearing like shoes that didn't but yeah it's 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 it, it, I liked the Kents and I think that especially when they bring Jonathan Kent back for the last season which I did they I don't think they bring back uh O'Toole I think she was season nine. I don't think she came. In, I don't she, think she appeared in season ten. Yeah, because she was on. A she show came called, back as what was her? What was her? She ran Argus. Argus. That yeah. was it. The White Queen. The, something like that. Red Queen. Red. No, it was white. She was white. No, the Red Queen. Because she queen? would leave the the red chess piece, oh, okay. and she was wearing all red. It was white. But okay. yeah, so interesting. And again, that was all to protect her son. But I really did like, and they had the episode with uh, Jonathan Kent where the other the. Of the other Duke brother. Oh, that was a great episode. That was that was the uh, the stripper episode. The stripper episode with Lois and the uh, the uh, the flag stripper outfit. Oh, we're gonna talk about that. But the anyway. witch episode. Oh yeah. So we have John Glover's Lionel Luther, a character that was <sighs> so wild. How they did Lionel Luther. So first, he's the worst person ever. Yeah. And just a terrible, terrible person. Like no, he no literally redeem- kills or is planned to kill Chloe and her father. He goes to jail. Mm-hmm. And then he gets stabbed in jail and then doesn't... And he's then, got cancer or something like that. He's got cancer. So he switches bodies with Clark mm-hmm. using one of the stones. And yeah, that makes... That like, it changes him and then he becomes a vessel for Jarrell, and he's now a good guy. Good and then, guy. Then he gets killed and then and then Earth 2, Lionel, mm-hmm. is in the end of the show and then he becomes a harbinger for Darkseid. Yes. What? <laughs> Ten seasons, man. You got to oh think of ideas. God, John Glover was great. Uh, John I mean, Glover he was, was fantastic. He had some some really great moments between him and Tom Welling, between him and Michael Rosenbaum. I mean, just the, the father son connection between the two of them was just it was electric. Yeah, I mean, just the hatred the two that he not so much Lionel had for for uh, for Lex, but for Lex had for Lionel. It was disappointment from Lionel and hatred from hatred. Lex. Hatred. Oh my god! And all he wanted to make is he just wanted to make his dad proud of him. Yeah. It was wild to see. Like, I'll never forget that when he kills Lionel. Oh, I, mean, it, it I was, didn't. That was the beginning of the episode too. It was yeah. not even like the ending of the episode. It was like the first scene. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what yeah. just happened? Yeah, it was. What just happened? And then the shot of him and and Clark at the funeral. Yeah. Because it was a closed funeral, but Clark still went. Yeah. And you know he does the dirt thing, but oh my god! And it is funny though that you bring up the fact that he tried to kill Chloe because it's like three seasons later that they're sitting next to each other at Thanksgiving. I know. Like it's the whole Fast and the Furious thing. You just killed my friend, but hey, we're family. We're cool. Family, family forgets. You didn't actually kill Han. <laughs> so stupid. So bad. Season four also had Jensen Ackles as Jason Teague. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Have I, seen him? I first of all, I I liked Jason. Uh, not towards the ends where he kind of goes crazy. Yeah. But I. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the entire because it's it's just it's such a Dean Winchester thing. She, they're in the uh, church. The church. I know, which one, I know you see. And he starts like, and then prepare for a romantic night on. And then somebody goes shh, and he looks, and he just he just does that deep. D- he dips and he, off. Yeah. And it just always makes me laugh. But I, I'm always very uncomfortable with the fact that he then became a teacher at the school, and then was still dating Lana. And ironically, Clark finds out about it because Lionel and Clark's body catches them. That's right. Yep. And. Uh, yeah. So, he was only in there for one season. Originally, he was second in line for the role of Clark Kent. See, I can't picture him as Clark Kent. I yeah. just can't. I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, he was also supposed to be Captain America. He gave up the... He turned down Captain America to do to do Supernatural. To do... Wait, well... Okay. To stay on Supernatural. To stay on... See, I, I find that BS, man. Because they could have made it work. They could have filmed Captain America, and they could have made that work. Well, you know what? We got Soldier, Unless, we got Soldier Boy on the boys, and I'll take it. That's fair. But... 
he was supposed to be season five, but he was written out of the show because Supernatural Supernatural had just started. Because Supernatural season one was small. So, he was, so I'm wondering then if the ending of season four was written after he decided to leave or was that the original plan and he just was going to live somehow? I don't know. I don't Interesting. Know. But like, talk about a character that just, it just was like, that happened, he's dead, we're never talking about him again. I think they mention him once. Like, like they find his body, but it's just like his hand sticking out of the debris. <laughs> but I really wish you guys had the visual of that one. <laughs> it's like, uh. Uh, uh. Now, one of my favorite characters and one of my definitive definitive actresses for this role erica durance is lois lane oh, she was fantastic she was incredible she was like margot kidder she was terry every, hatcher every aspect of lois lane that's just awesome and her and tom welling were electric together from that from that opening scene in season four when, when she, she finds, finds him, him in the cornfield just the two of them went even though he's not technically clark yet they just there was something there you could see it it was like oh this is gonna work look at his face look at his face this look is at gonna his work. face but it is their relationship is honestly probably the highlight of the show yes. after season four. First, you see them very antagonistic towards each other. Mm-hmm. Very much, I don't like you. You don't like me. We'll never like each other. And just, I forget who's, who keeps saying it, but I think it's Jimmy Olsen. He keeps saying, there's something about Lois and Clark. There's something about Lois and Clark. And just the show does a great job progressing them from season four mm-hmm. to, to getting married in season 10. Yeah. Or... Attempting to. So what would you say? It would probably be season six, maybe no, season seven when you first start to see the romantic with between the two of them kind of start. Because season then. six, she's dating Oliver. Oliver. And then season seven was definitely season eight because they mentioned it at, at Chloe's wedding where Oliver pretty much says, I know what kind of girl Clark is interested in. You're, you're the type of girl he's yeah. interested in. Because so. I know Clark. I know Clark. And that, that's really where it starts. But then Lana shows up as they're about to yes, kiss. Yes, that's yeah. right. We're going to talk about our favorite moments. Don't worry. I promise. Mm. In part two, probably. Okay. Yeah. I believe you. Because we're almost at 40 minutes. We haven't finished the cast. But yeah, Erica Durant, she she does a great job. Did I, you see her at Tom? Did you? She, did, she was there. She was right next to him, wasn't but she? But we didn't get that autograph. Because we'd already gotten autographs from Tyler Hecklin and from Tom Welling. And I was like, they're expensive. <laughs> I need to send our kids to school. We we spent like 200 plus dollars on photos and autographs. What? You know? So, but that was a solid lineup of people they had at Comic-Con this year. The only disappointment that I have is part of me wishes I had done the joint photo of mm. Tom and Tyler. Mm. But I like how I, I have two separate ones. Yeah. I would do an Erica Durant's one, though. I, I would love to talk to her for a little bit. Also, Lionel was there, too. But he wasn't there the day we went. Uh, Actually, no. We did see him, but he wasn't doing signings. Like He, gotcha. he walked the floor. Oh, like, really? He walked the... the the autograph floor, nobody really, really... Well, yeah, nobody he looks very different than he does now. Really? Yeah, or than he did now. We have Aaron Ashmore, who plays, quote-unquote, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen. Talk oh. about the most BS reaction you would be ever had to, I think, an episode. We're just like, really? Really? They really did that? So, Jimmy gets introduced... Season um, five? Five or six. I think it's five. Probably. I think maybe even around the same. Let's see. Oh, no. Recurring guest in season six became a regular cast member in season seven. There you go. Thank you. Sorry. I, I didn't mind him, right? I, I had. No, I liked him. I had no problem with them aging him up to be like one of their peers because they do mention that Chloe lost her virginity to him Yeah. over the summer between seasons. So I had no problem with him. I, there were some issues that we had. Like, we always laughed at the, I'm your bro, not your foe. Ring that bell. Like he, you know, it was, he was Lois, he did become Lois's sidekick. You know, mm-hmm. he gets the picture of the blur. He did have one of the worst filler episodes of the entire show called Noir. 
where it's a black and white type episode. That was, I mean, they they always every every show does something. Yeah, they always have fillers, but we do find out that after World had did that too. Yeah, we did find out that after he died, he was Mm. not the real. He was he was Henry James Olsen, and then Jimmy's younger brother, who appears briefly in the finale, is intended to be. The Jimmy who works with Clark and James Bartholomew Olsen. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like Aaron Ashmore came back as that Jimmy for the the last, the very last episode. Laura Vandervoort as Kara Zor-El. Now, they introduced her in what, season? Season seven. Seven. They see her ship in in the season six finale. So now they don't see her until season seven. Yeah. So she comes out and she is full on Kryptonian, like, I I really enjoyed the differences between the two of them, and I really enjoyed the fact that this Kara, who like obviously we've seen Supergirl, so we have that Kara Danvers, that Kara mm-hmm. Zor-El type character, but this one she was much like that's her age. She was like almost in her twenties when she left Krypton, so she has like an idea of what that world was like, mm-hmm. and now she is trying to find baby Kal-El. And one of my favorite scenes is when she goes to fly, and they do harness work with her too. She goes to fly, and he grabs her and throws her down because she's she can do all the powers, including flight. And I, there's a great scene where she tries to teach him how to fly, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go well, and he doesn't want to do it again. But like they, their relationship was was pretty good. Again, another character that just disappeared. Well, again, season seven was the writer's strike season. I feel like... I Well, also, as I recall... And don't quote me on this. The show was possibly going to end after season seven. Right. Because that's when Michael Rosenbaum was leaving, Kristen Kruk was leaving, and Tom Walling was not that eager to stay on. So they had to really, like, beg him to stay on for another... I mean, again, we thought maybe, okay, get one more season out of it, but then just, you know, another season eight, then season nine, and then season ten. But yeah, I remember, I think after season seven, it was like, okay, we're getting close to the end here. Like, you know, how are they going to wrap this up? Mm -hmm. So, but... I don't remember a lot about season seven, except for, again, that it was the final season for Clark, for Lex, and for Lana. Yeah, um, she gets trapped in the Phantom Zone at the end, but she did wrap up her storyline. She in came back eight. in season eight, she and was she did se- guest star in season ten. Yeah, Supergirl and Prophecy. Yeah. yeah. Cassidy Freeman is Tess Mercer. Talk about a character who we didn't think we were going to like so much. I She was like a breath of... I, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I was like, where are they going to go with this at the beginning? She's just gonna, She's going to be the female Lex... But you actually ended up liking her. Mm-hmm. She was very good. Actress-wise, I thought she was very good. And she was not Lex. I mean, you know, you do find out that she actually is Lex's sister. Sister Again, and I, I don't know why we needed that, but okay, whatever. But yeah, she she takes over in season eight for Luther Corp. And she just kind of becomes a... I don't even know what she, she really is. like. I've heard a lot of interviews with her. The podcast that I listened to talked to her a lot. Yeah. And she she was just lovely. She was like really cool, really fantastic. I haven't seen her in anything really no. since. But her name, Tess Mercer, homage to Eve Tessmacher Tess and Ma- Mercy Graves. Miss Tessmacher. Miss Tessmacher. But um, yeah, she she was great. And I she love. She looks like Elizabeth Banks. Doesn't she look like Elizabeth A little Elizabeth bit. Banks? Yeah, I can see that. And I do enjoy the fact that like her and Oliver had such a great relationship. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then she does she does turn good, and she she's at their bachelor bachelorette party. That's right. And we'll talk. Oh, the best that that was a great episode. We'll talk about it. Don't worry. That was a great episode. Uh, and then she kind of just I, I was really bummed when they killed her off. In the yeah, finale. but you know what? Somebody needed to die. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. and she's the one that gets Lex to forget everything. With the, the oh, nanotech stuff on her, stupid. the gel. Sorry, uh, that was dumb. I know. <laughs> but they had to do it, unfortunately. Yeah. Sam Witwer as Davis Bloom. 
Now, obviously, just so you guys are clear, we're going through the just whoever was on a main cast list. Yeah, this is not like every person who's ever been in the show. This is just whoever was ever on the main titles a cast list of the, you know, of the show. So he plays Davis Bloom, <clears throat> who uh, is Doomsday. God, it was stupid. I didn't I, liked, I like Sam Witwer. I yeah. really do. And he went on to do a show called Being Human after this, which yeah. was great. He's I watched also that. Star Wars Force Awakens. Star right? Wars Force Awakens. He plays Darth Maul, too. That's right. Yeah. So I really like Sam Witwer. And Davis Bloom was okay. It was, Once they separated Doomsday and him, mm-hmm. it was much better. And the Doomsday suit was, was not bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I still say Bride is one of my favorite episodes. Where uh, where Jimmy and and Chloe get married, and it's like through the the handheld camera for all of it, and you do see like Davis, you do see Doomsday for the first time, yeah. and he and he like knocks Clark out with one punch, and it it, it was okay. It was very Smallville, very CW, very CW. It's like, we we knew what we were gonna see. We knew it wasn't gonna be anything crazy. So we were just waiting to see how they were going to pull it off. There is a great scene where when Clark and Doomsday finally have their fight, where after first he catches the car that mm-hmm. Doomsday throws, which was pretty good for CW, and then he saves a little girl, and then Doomsday just grabs him and starts just pummeling him. And the shot is at the forefront is the girl, and she's crying, and in the background you just see Clark getting like beat. And I was like, that's a very comic booky superhero type shot. Mm-hmm. So I always think about that one. We only have two more, I promise. Justin Hartley is Oliver Queen slash Green Arrow. So now he he appeared on the show for the first time in season six, mm-hmm. but he didn't become a regular cast member or at least appeared in the credits, I think, till season eight. Yeah. And he was great. I, I loved his Oliver Queen. Don't get me wrong. I love Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen. It's a and different I love that. interpretation. Very different. This is a little bit more comic accurate. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Playboy. The, again, he's the Batman substitute in this. Mm-hmm. And I, I've you know this was when the show was like, all right, we're gonna start doing some comic book stuff. Oh, absolutely. With the introduction of Oliver Queen in full Green Arrow regale. Yeah. And one of my favorite scenes is he and Lois go to the Hol- Lex's Halloween party because obviously they hate each other. They they have a history. They're both billionaire brats. And I think Oliver like bullied him too. Yeah, yeah. There you see that in flashbacks. But uh, there's a great scene. So they dress up as Robin Hood and Maid Marian, which is funny. And at the end, Lois makes a bet with him that he can't shoot a can. <laughs> and so he, you know, he takes out a bow and he shoots it and it goes right over it. And she's like, oh, I guess you lost. You don't get, you know, whatever they waged, you know, probably something inappropriate. And then the shot goes to the arrow, and you see the, the small little opener thing, like that little tab, mm-hmm. hanging on the arrow, because that's what he hit. And I was like, oh, God, that's so good. But yeah, Oliver was great, and he was just, you know, we'll talk about the Justice League stuff in a minute, but he was one of the best additions to the show. He was a breath of fresh air into the show. I, and, think, I think it was smart when they introduced him, what they did, because you didn't know where the show was going to go at that And point. he challenged Clark. And challenged Clark. He was another foil, another, another uh, antagonistic towards Lex. So him and Clark automatically were on the same page with that. Even though Clark, yet at that time, Clark was not fully ready to give up on Lex. Right. And then we have uh, Callum Blue as Zod, as a, a young Zod. I was I was surprised when they brought Zod on as a villain. It works, though. It did work. But I, I, I think was surprised. it really worked. And I think having the... Uh, it was almost like a, like a young... like have It's almost like Lex Luthor, where... You, you root for him even though you know where he's going to go. Yeah. And I still say their final fisticuffs in the season nine was awesome was uh, on good. the roof. But we have a couple of other characters that I want to quickly mention. I was going to say he, he never appeared in the credits, but uh, James Marsters is a uh, brainiac. I wanted to mention him because he also came back for one of the best episodes of the show. Yeah. But really quick, do you want to do a part? Do you want to do this part one, part two? Yeah. What are we at now? Oh, 47 minutes. Yeah. I think let's probably 
So what we're going to do is we're going to cut it off right now. And when we come back for the next episode, that's going to come up on your feed. So this is one episode. Part two is going to be some of our favorite episodes and moments from the show. Mm -hmm. But really quick, we want to thank you guys for listening. Look out for part two. I'm going to do a fan feedback Friday really quick. You want to just... Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we'll do a fan feedback Friday so that way people don't have to wait for two. Or do you want to just do two in one week? Oh, man. Let's... We'll save Fan Feedback Friday for next episode. All right. But don't forget, guys, if you want to hear more of our content, you can go to our website, themisfitfaction.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, every basically any podcasting. And you can also find us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Just type in The Misfit Faction or Multiverse Fancast, and odds are you'll find some of our stuff. I want to thank Sean for jumping in today. Oh, man, I was looking forward to it ever since he told me we were going to talk about Smallville. And as always, I'm, I'm your other host, Paul, and we will see you guys in a flash. See you soon.